And so, if he can, if he can begin to plant um, lies within our lives, and that they find that those lies find fertile soil in our hearts, then then we begin to live into an identity that that is false. And one of the ways that we that we ensure against the rootedness of the lies is that we we saturate our hearts, we saturate our souls with God's word. With his written and revealed word to us. So that the lies of the enemy may not find fertile soil in our lives. And this was, um, uh, I think what we said was that we, we most clearly recognize and defend against the lies of the enemy when we are intimately familiar with the truth of God's Word. So from last week, in Matthew chapter 4, Satan even tried to use the Word of God against Jesus to tempt him into places where Jesus obviously didn't want to go. Right? He actually used the Word. I'm like, well, if, if, if Satan is going to use the Word against me, what chance do I what chance do I possibly have here? You see, Jesus was so, so intimately familiar with, with the real McCoy of God's Word that he was able to discern and see the counterfeit truth that the enemy was trying to plant in his life. And so, and so for us, um, to use the Word of God and to understand the Word of God uh, in both a defensive and offensive way, but having the necessity of having it like having God's Word like deeply rooted in our lives. The Word, the word of God or, or Scripture, it has, a, it has a defensive purpose, right? And that's what we saw last week is that it has a defensive purpose against the lies of the enemy. That was Jesus' model for defense against lies. It also has an offensive use, right? It's not just defensive, but it's also offensive. That's why Paul um, called in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, the Word of God. He called it the, the sword of the Spirit that those who follow Jesus use in their fight against the enemy. But what I want, to, what I want us to be um, clear on here, and what I want to make sure that we, that we get, is that that the Word of God is not, um, not merely defensive in nature, right? Or, or reactive in nature. Okay, so like the enemy waltzes into our lives, right? And tries to plant a seed of, of doubt or deceit in our lives. And then we have to pull out our defensive tool, right? Or we're reacting. We're having a, a, a reaction to something that is happening in our lives. And that's Often what we do, right, we, we become re- reactive. We maybe are not um, super intentional about proactively forming ourselves in such a way that everything in life is not just a reaction. Right? But the Word of God is not just a reactionary tool, meaning like Satan does this, okay, so I pull out this. Or, or this happens, and so I'm going to react to it by pulling out Scripture, right? But the, the Word of God is, 
not just reactive, but it's, it's actually formative. Uh, the Word of God is used not just a, as a reaction against things, but in our, our spiritual, mental, emotional, and even physical formation in life. This uh, main scripture that we've, been, that we've been using or reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3, if we can go there um, once more. We'll highlight some things here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 14. Paul is writing a letter to Timothy who was um, essentially his protege in ministry, someone that he was discipling in, in ministry, a leader um, in ministry. And, and Paul had been writing these letters to him in moments where um, there, Timothy was under a lot of pressure from people in his like spiritual community spreading lies and deceit and, and coming against like the, um, the, the orthodox teaching of the Word and the life of Jesus. And so Paul, in response to one of those, those situations, he says this, he says, As for you, Timothy, listen, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul uses a few words in his letter to Timothy here to describe the, the formative nature of Scripture. Right? He says that Scripture is, for instance, it's useful, or it is, it is profitable. And then he goes to say something that we often maybe overlook. He says, um, it is useful to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is one of the only times, perhaps the only time in all of Scripture, where <laughs> Scripture defines for us its own formative purpose in our lives. I am, um, I am willing to bet that if you have have had any experience in church life and Christianity and faith or even cultural culture in general, that you have run into experiences where uh, persons or a person or a church or an organization um, seems to have used either the words of Scripture or Scripture in a whole in itself um, for its own purposes, for its own goals, for its own, like, leveraging effect. They use its words, they use the implicit message, they use the explicit message to try and to, to get you to believe something or to do something or to stop you from doing something. And they say, like, this is, this is what we use the Word of God for. Okay? I want to be really clear that, of course, there are, there are many implicit uses and purposes for God's revealed word to us, right? 
but at the base and foundational level, Paul reveals to Timothy here, he's like, look, if for nothing else, Scripture is meant to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. Like, if you get nothing else at all about Scripture, if you get nothing else at all about the Word of God, it's about making you wise for salvation. It is the clarifying point of Scripture is to point you towards nothing other than Jesus Christ. It is to point you to Jesus. This is how Scripture, in a certain way here, clarifies its own purpose for you. Scripture's purpose is to point you to Jesus. And not just like the passages about Jesus, like the Gospels or the New Testament, right? But the whole of Scripture, Old and New Testament, has as its eternal purpose pointing us, being a roadmap to the incarnate Word of God, the person of Jesus Christ. Now, how can we say that? Like, what, what proof do we have of that? What, what assurance that we have of that? Well, look at, what, look at the interaction here between Paul and Timothy. Paul reminds Timothy, he says this, he's like, hey, look, look, um, you know the way that you have been brought up from infancy, right? Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it, right? Saying like, hey, look, you, you know these things. You've already been convinced of them. Your mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice, have taught you from infancy Scripture. And that Scripture has made you wise for salvation. It has solidified your life in Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting and funny here is that, is that Timothy did not have the Gospels like you and I have them. He did not have the New Testament. In fact, the Scripture that Timothy was discipled in and brought up in throughout his life was the Old Testament Scriptures. It was the Genesis through Malachi. It was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? It was the Psalms. It was the Proverbs. It was the work of the prophets. And it was that section of Scripture that existed for the Israelite people that they were discipled in and who Paul admits and Timothy admits pointed him even then towards Jesus. Because at every level and at every word, and at every line, and at every page, God was continually and consistently pointing people to his grace that is found in Jesus Christ. And so if Scripture points you in any other direction than towards Jesus, it is taking you in the wrong direction. The point of Scripture all the time is to bring us closer to Jesus. 
That is the eternal purpose of the Word of God. It's not to make you a better person in the ways in which that we think better. It's not to modify your... It's not a, it's not a behavior modification mechanism. Okay? It's not simply a textbook where you must memorize the facts so that you can arrive at a theological conclusion that somehow you think may justify you unto salvation. Scripture leads us to Jesus, which is the only path of justification. The purpose of Scripture is not... Listen, if we're taking Paul's words seriously, is not to win an argument. The purpose of, of Scripture is not to have a bunch of points where we can make our theological case against someone that we need to convince, hey, you're very wrong here. The purpose of Scripture is not to elevate our own spiritual, moral, or ethical preferences over and against someone else. The purpose of Scripture is not to take what we see in someone else's life that we don't like and then use the words of Scripture to leverage condemnation and shame against them. The purpose of Scripture is to make you, personally, us, wise for salvation, leading us and pointing us to the life, to the example, to the love, and to the grace of Jesus Christ. And so the question for you, the question for us, the question for all of us, um, really is like, well, it can kind of be twofold. One, is Scripture or has Scripture been making me, me, not that person over there that we disagree with, not this argument that we need to win, not this thing that we like in that person's life that we don't like, but is it making me wise for salvation? Is it pointing me towards Jesus? Is it changing my heart and life? It may be stated in a little bit different way. Is Scripture forming me? Am I allowing the Word of God to form me. Not the person sitting next to me. Not the person behind me. Not the person I'm thinking, man, yeah, they really need to be in Scripture more. No, like, is the Word of God forming you? Are you, are you allowing it to have a formative purpose in your life? Because I want you to hear me loud and clear, Okay? This point, this, like, if I could only give you one point, it would be this one, all right? Understanding Scripture as a formative tool in my life, and understanding Scripture as a formative tool in your life also means that we must understand it as a tool that breaks us. Scripture must break us before it can build us. We must, we must be willing to surrender before we can be set free.
The writer of Hebrews, he has this verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where he talks about, um, he talks about kind of piggybacks on Paul's words about Scripture being a sword. The sword of the Spirit. And he says this about Scripture. Is that he says, um, well, let's just go there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. There it is. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirits, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. When I say that the Word of God is not just formative, but it is also breaking, this is what I mean. Is that the Word of God should not just be something that gives you good moral and ethical behavior modification. It gives you the right things to do and the wrong things to avoid. But that, but that the Word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword so that it pierces down into the deepest parts of who you are and separates you from a life of flesh. It cuts. It breaks. It separates us from a life of fleshliness and ungodliness so it may then form us and build us into the people that Christ desires. Into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ Himself. And so, as we approach Scripture, it must be not just the tool of, Lord, teach me, or Lord, give me the information, but Lord, use your word to dive down to the deepest parts of me that no one else can see. Break those parts so that then your word may form me in such a significant way that I may walk in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ pursuing holiness. And guess what? That is a prayer and a spirit that we must carry with us every single day. There is no moment on this side of heaven where we have arrived and no longer need the Spirit of God through His Word to break us from our hardness of heart and form us into the softness of His Spirit. That must be continually what we're asking the Lord, of, Lord to do. Break me, Lord. Destroy my flesh. Make me wise for salvation. Bring me closer to Jesus. Use your word to point me towards Him every day, with every word, with every breath. Lord, your word is alive. It is active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. Let it go down into the places in, in my life that I'm hiding from others, Lord, but that you see and I know you want sanctified. And see... Here's the thing. We will always see Scripture as boring and powerless when we only accept its formative work, but not its breaking work. Well, I read Scripture, but nothing changes. It just never gets any better. I feel like I'm just reading words on a page, right? Because you want it to form you before you're willing for it to break you. You want to be set free, as the Scripture says you can, 
but you have not yet come to a place of surrendering your heart to the Spirit of God so that He can set you free. Talking about Christian formation and discipleship and becoming more and more like Jesus is a popular and desirable thing that we all want, but we very rarely talk about the popularity of being broken in spirit before the Lord so that He can fill us with His own spirit and we become truly changed. And so if you want to be formed by the Word of God, you must come to a place where you are willing to be broken by the Word of God. If you want to be set free from all the sin that entangles your life and your heart, you must be willing to come to a point of full surrender and confession and repentance, willingly accepting His breaking and formative the work of His Word. And until then, you will constantly and consistently, time and time and time again, be in bondage. Be in bondage to bitterness and unforgiveness and addiction and pain and pride and malice and anger and lust. You will constantly be in bondage. But once we, listen, listen, once we come to an agreement with the Spirit of God, so to speak, to receive both the breaking and the forming aspects or, or um, purposes of God's Word, right? That's when the kind of the process that Paul sets forth for Timothy here really is like turbocharges a life of discipleship and confirmation to the image and likeness of Jesus in our hearts. Because he says this, he says, listen, all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful or it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And, and some, may, some may argue that these are kind of like Paul's ways, like they all say it or mean kind of the same thing. He just wanted to make sure that we heard it four times, Right? But there is some distinction here, right? They're all actually different and separate words in the Greek language, the original language, and they all kind of mean something a little bit different, okay? Um, not too much different than what we've already talked about, right? But we do, I do want to point them out. First is that um, while we do and I talk about all the time, you've heard me say it even in this sermon, is that the Word of God is not simply a bunch of bullet point lists teaching material and content that you need to memorize so that when the theological test comes, at the end of the day, you can ace it and be all right with God. That's not what it's about, right? That's not the purpose and point of Scripture. That's not what Scripture is, right? But what Paul said, does say here is like, hey, listen, there is some content for us to grab onto. There is some content to get sowed into our lives, we saw this last week in the example in life of Jesus, right? That he had sat under the teaching, right, of God's word. That Timothy had sat under the teaching of God's word from his mother and his grandmother, right? So when the time came to draw from the well of discipleship, he had a deep well of spirit-filled stuff to grab from. Because he had, been, he had been taught, he had been discipled, he had been, he had been poured, people had poured 
into his life, poured out over him. He had been taught the ways of the Lord. And so there, there is, Scripture is useful to bring to the stage of our lives the content by which God will break and form us into the image and likeness of Jesus. And so we must be willing to engage the content. How many people here in the last week did the, um, did the note card thing that we talked about last week? Alright, are you all dealing with the same issues? You don't have to answer because I, I know the answer. It's yes, right? Because, they're, because they're, you have not yet engaged the content. You want the freedom, right? You want to be set free, right? You want the surrender as well? That's something only that you can decide. And surrender is not even just this moment of being like, okay, God, I surrender, because words are cheap. But the action of engaging with the content, the ways in which God is speaking into your life, the Word of God, right? That's worth a million bucks. And that will bring freedom into your life. So we have teaching. We have, next we have rebuking. So, think of it this way. We get this content, we get this content dumped into our life. Right? And what, is the con- what does that content do? Well, through the power and ministry and purpose of the Holy Spirit, right, we come to a place where we come under the conviction of where our hearts are misaligned with the revealed Word of God. Meaning like the content comes into our life, and then we then recognize, oh shoot, right? My life, my thoughts, my relationships, my words... My, my habitual patterns are so at odds with the way that God is speaking to me through His Word. And, and it says that, and, and actually, um, in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells His disciples that the, one of the ministries or purposes of the Holy Spirit after Jesus is gone is to convict <laughs> the world of guilt and sin according to righteousness. We have this in John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. We'll get there real quick. Jesus says, but I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, 
He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because of the prince of this world now stands condemned. Listen, I know that falling under a sense of misalignment about your life in comparison to the life that the Word of God moves us towards is not a real popular thing to talk about in 2021. Because right now, everyone is right about everything, right? And if it it feels right to you, then obviously it is right, and it is okay. Right? I'm going to tell you what, that, that is a massive seed of deceit and lie that the enemy has planted in the whole of culture. That everything is okay. That's okay, and that's okay, and that's okay, and that's okay, and that's okay. Right? But we have by faith in God's Word that as the, the Spirit of God and the Word of God gets poured out in our lives, that it is the actual ministry of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of its guilt and sin in regards to righteousness. And so we must, we must allow both the Word of God and the Spirit of God to point out the places in our lives where we are not walking in congruency with God's Word, where we are not thinking in congruency with God's Word, where we are acting according to our flesh and certainly not the Spirit of Jesus living in us. And this is usually the step that we get stuck on. An unwillingness to receive the pain and weight that comes from my misalignment with God's desire for my heart. I just like, I don't know if I can deal with it. Or I don't know if I agree, Lord. Sorry, but a comment card, Lord, you're wrong. But if you come to a place of receiving, right? Of, of receiving the breaking, right? This is the breaking moment. If you come to a place of receiving the breaking, then what Paul says next is that the Word of God is useful for teaching the content, right? Rebuking the conviction. And now the correcting. Now the word correcting usually has a negative connotation to it, right? Like the finger pointing connotation. But actually, the word correcting here is one of the most encouraging portions of this scripture because it's like, all right, it, it, it denotes this picture of, of someone laying on the ground, right? And you know when someone's laying on the ground and someone comes to give them a hand up, right? Hand. Pull you up. The word correcting literally means Returning someone to an upright or right stance. It is the moment where the change happens. You have been corrected. It is not a moment of shame. It does not denote condemnation. It does not a how dare you believe and do what you have just done. How could you possibly have done that? Shame on you. Actually, it's more like a 
shame off of you. God has got this in Jesus Christ. Now let's walk in this other direction together. You have received the brokenness of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Okay, shame off you. Now, there's no shame. There's no condemnation. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. You want to know what my most easily accessible emotion this week has been? Anger. All week. 100%. I don't know what it was about the week. I don't know what it was about the circumstances, but the most easily accessible emotion, literally, that I had all week was anger. Like I was just fit to be tied, just wishing someone would, you know? And time, and time, and time, and time again. You know what the Holy Spirit of God was echoing in my heart, in my life? Be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. And be slow to become angry. Because anger, the anger of man, does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. In the book of James. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Right? And I had to repent. I had to repent this morning already. Okay? I had to be rebuked already by the Holy Spirit of God this morning. And, and he's continually correcting me and bringing me to an upright state, saying, okay, that shame, it's off of you, right? There's no condemnation here. Like, we're moving through this. We're getting past this. We're, we're form, you're letting the, the Word of God break you, right? So that now it can form you. Charting a new path forward until we get to this last point where he says, training in righteousness. This is like, this now then becomes, okay, so you have, you have got the content. You have received the breaking. You have moved into the correcting upright stance, going in a different direction. Now we're in boot camp. Now we're training for righteousness. Now we're, now we're walking. We're walking daily with the Spirit of God, right? The Word of God. He has... He is um, transforming what I want to say to this person, what I want to do in this situation, what I'm thinking about that. And he was like, all right, yeah. So kind of like a, very similar to the way that Jesus refers to um, the Holy Spirit in, um, in the Gospel of John, that, that the Holy Spirit in the training of, in righteousness becomes the counselor or coach to walk in daily, practically, the life and character of Jesus. It's the same way, the same um, word that Paul uses here is the same way that they talk about in Scripture the, the raising or rearing of children into a direction, right? We don't just say it and then make them go do it, right? We, we walk with them so that as they are experiencing life, and, and running into those hurdles and obstacles that we are able to guide and direct and coach and clear away, right? The fog 
that will confuse them or the, the, the points where the enemy is coming up, right? And we've got to kick them in the face to try and, like, deceive. But it, come, it becomes this, this, like, boot camp of, like, all right, you got the content. You received the breaking. We, we got you corrected. Now we're training in the right direction. We're literally training towards righteousness. And these things are progressive. And they are also cumulative. But I will return to the main point, what I think is the main point of this morning, and it's this. You will see Scripture as boring and powerless when you only desire its formative work, but not its breaking work. When you want it to set you free, but you don't want to surrender. You don't want to change. Change is hard work. And it's painful. And it takes a tremendous amount of effort, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. But guess what? The Word of God and the Spirit of God is here for it. Is ready is willing. But like a gentle, like the gentle whisper that we talked about a few weeks that came to Elijah, like the gentle whisper that speaks to you, like the Lord is gently whispering and wooing you towards formation through His Word and through, um, and through freedom from the bondage that you're experiencing. It's not a bullhorn. It's not a chain around your neck pull, dragging you and pulling you to a place that you are not willing to or want to go. God will not force the formative work of His Word through the power of His Holy Spirit upon any of you, upon any of us. But if you would receive it, it will change you. It will renew you. It will break you. And then it will form you. And guide you. My desire, my desire here is that we, in relationship to each other, all understand that we are on various steps of the Word of God forming us. The Spirit of God forming us. And maybe today I'm in like a rebuking step where, yeah, there are some real serious inconsistencies between my conduct, my words, my thoughts, my actions, and the life of Jesus. Or maybe I'm in the correcting phase. Or maybe I'm in the training phase. Or maybe I'm taking like one step forward, two steps back today. And two steps forward and one step back the next day. But what the community of faith here is about is not being like, well, I'm going to compare myself to where they are. I'm one step ahead. All right. But what it's about is saying like, okay, we're all taking the steps 
we're all taking the steps to become more and more like Jesus. All right? And I am going to support you in whatever step you're on while I spend the majority of my energy worrying about what step I'm on. Because it's, it seems like we spend 90% of our time and energy worrying about what step someone else is on. Dare I say, a very significant lie of the enemy planted into our hearts. Keep your focus over there on them and their walk with Jesus, because it's important. Not actually as important as your own. Not actually as important as your own. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna love that sinner but hate their sin. I think you should love that sinner and hate your own sin. I I think that's a tremendous idea. And I and I think that's the reality that we should walk in. Man, I'm gonna love that sinner. Like we are in community together. And man, I hate sin, especially my own. And I hate it. Love the sinner, hate your own sin. Support those who are on the journey to walking with Jesus, being broken and formed by his word. Praying for and loving and not being distracted by their walk that you get like deceived into thinking that's really the thing I should be focusing on rather than focusing on what the Lord wants to do in me right here, right now, in this moment. This is what will set you free. That will not. Get it right. Um, over the next few weeks, we'll have, we have some, uh, some things happening. It's all good. Uh, we hope that over the next few weeks, we'll be, um, the leadership team will be able to come to a little bit more uh, clarity on the next steps for Conduit Kids and who is going to be leading that and be able to hopefully announce um, that as well. We also, of course, um, we have uh, Luke, Pastor Luke Miller, who's going to be joining us on staff here as an associate pastor. Uh, his first Sunday is August 1st, and so that's going to be coming up soon. Yep. Um, and uh, and we, are, we are so excited to have him and the gifts that he brings. Um, and uh, so we'll have maybe a little bit more about that because we want to make sure that, like, you know how we honor our leaders up here? We want to make sure that we honor him as a leader and make sure that when he, he comes to Conduit that he knows that this is a place that honors leaders and loves him and, and is praying for him and is, is, is hopeful and anticipating and expecting that the unique gifts that God has given to him is... Um, is helpful and beneficial and a blessing to the kingdom of God here in Jamestown. He's not like me. It's much nicer. Right? He, he's not like me and I'm not like him. Right? And so we're not trying to create like carbon copies. Okay? We're, we're trying to say, alright, like, there is beauty 
and holiness in the diversity of personalities and gifts that the Lord has given to his church. So let's em- embrace that, right? And, and expect that the Lord is going to work mightily through him, just like the, wor- the Lord can work mightily through you and mightily through me. Not because he's great, but because he's not great and God is. Okay? So we have Luke coming. I'm super excited. Um, and then next week, um, we announced this. I forgot to announce it today, but we have um, Ask the Pastor, which is like a, a... We had tried and been doing it quarterly, and I had just, honestly, I had kind of just forgot. All right? So, um, my bad. Um, uh, but we try to do it quarterly, just these like really informal town hall style meetings after Sunday morning worship. We'll, wor- we'll order lunch in for as many people that want to stay. And it will give you the opportunity to, um, to really ask me any question that you have. And if you're afraid to ask it like in front of everyone, I'll even have some like little note cards that you can write it on, put it in a bowl, right, and kind of ask him um, uh, anonymously. And then um, they don't know it, they don't know it yet, but like I, I think in one of the future um, Ask the Pastors, we'll instead like do Ask the Staff, Ask the Worship Leader, right? Ask Vinny the Coffee Guy. I'll be there for that one, both show. <laughs> right? Um, because, like, li- li- like, listen, we all we all approach this thing from our from our own perspective. So, um, so that is next week. Ask the pastor is next week. Say that one more time. Youth group, yes, youth group. We were scheduled to have a bonfire tonight at the Lionheart House. Um, the field is an absolute disaster, okay? Um, it is like standing water, so we're going to press the pause button on the bonfire tonight, okay? So, no bonfire tonight. Um, we will reschedule it, okay? Let me invite the worship team back forward, and uh, we will uh, pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we live in a space and time where we have uh, the written word of your written word. Lord, that we believe by faith your spirit has breathed life into. So, Lord, I pray that you would use, continue to use your word to make us wise for salvation. That we would receive and accept its teaching, its rebuking, its correcting, and its training. So that we may be thoroughly equipped for every act and spirit of righteousness that you bring into our lives. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our lives to you, Father. Make us new. In Jesus' name, amen.